Hi everyone, Michael O'Brien here from the Oraculous School of Astrology with next week's astrology for the first week of January 2024, the week of January 1st to January 7th, 2024. If this is your first time joining us here for next week's astrology, welcome to 2024, happy new year, and thank you so much for being with us in this space where we take a deep dive into the astrological combinations for the week ahead. So if this is your first time being here and you don't want to miss a beat, then make sure that you subscribe to the Oraculous podcast by going down below, hit the subscription button if you're watching on YouTube, also hit the notification bell so that you receive notifications of when we come out with these episodes on a weekly basis and also share the Oraculous podcast with your other astrology loving friends so that more and more people can know about the amazing work that we're doing over here on the Oraculous podcast. Now before we dive in I do want to let you know about two amazing events we have coming up this year. Literally we have one this month and one next month and the first event is our Uranian Astrology for Practicing Astrologers Intensive. The most important thing that you will learn with in this intensive is how to look at any astrological chart from more of a planetary perspective. Within the 21st century, we tend to practice an astrology of placement. So everybody knows what it means to have their Venus in Gemini or to have their Sun in Taurus or to have their Moon in Scorpio. But no one really knows what it means to have their Venus in a square relationship with Neptune in the Sesqui quadrate with Saturn and in an opposition relationship with Jupiter. So because Cause this more nuanced approach to speaking about the combinations of planets as being able to reflect concrete events within our physical world isn't really something that we hear much about within the 21st century. I wanted to share this more planetary approach to astrology with all of you so that we can practice a more refined, a more nuanced, a more accurate, but also a more concrete approach to astrology. So if all of that sounds amazing to you and you're ready to take a deep dive into genuine, concrete, event-based astrology where you don't only improve your astrology, but you also improve the quality of the predictions that you make based on that astrology, then join us in our upcoming Uranian Astrology for Practicing Astrologers Intensive, which begins this January 30th, 2024. Also, in February, we have our Astro Cartography Immersion, Finding You in the Universe. For those of you who don't know, Astro Cartography is a way of projecting your natal chart onto the map of the world and seeing where the various planets within your chart were rising, culminating, setting, and anti-culminating on different areas of the globe at the exact moment of your birth. So it is a wonderful opportunity to also practice a more planetary-based approach to astrology. Because in astrocartography, we don't necessarily talk about the signs of the zodiac. Truthfully, we don't talk about the signs of the zodiac at all. But we specifically speak about the relationships that certain planets within our charts have to certain locations on this earth and therefore the sorts of experience we might find ourselves manifesting at those locations. So if you are somebody with a heart of wanderlust and you love to travel or you're probably in the numinous 
liminal space of trying to figure out where you want to live in the world, where you want to be in the world, where you're going to find the most amount of abundance, love, success, and the ability to thrive on this planet, then join us in our upcoming Astro Cartography Immersion, in which we will do a deep dive into all things Astro Cartography so that you can find your place in the universe. Now, without further ado, we're going to dive into our episode of next week's astrology for the week of January 1st through 7th, 2024. Do enjoy. All right, so the first thing we have coming up on the 1st of January, 2024, New Year's Day, is Saturn in a square relationship with Admetos, and that's happening at 12.47 a.m. EST. Now, truth be told, Saturn Admetos isn't really the nicest sort of combination in the world, but because it is the 1st of January, I'm going to dig deep and find a way how to describe this in the nicest possible language. So we have Saturn square Admetos that's happening at 12.47 a.m. EST. Admetos is something that operates in a very real way like Saturn. When we look at the glyph of Admetos, we essentially see the glyph of Taurus and the glyph of Saturn coming together to make the glyph of Admetos. Therefore, Admetos has this feeling of a Saturn in Taurus, which we know that Taurus is the most fixed of the fixed signs. And we know that as far as the planetary spheres go, there's no planet quite as fixed as Saturn. So the reality is that Admetos represents something that can oftentimes feel like an absolute standstill, a freezing, a blockage, a stoppage. Admetos corresponds with the raw first materials that the entire universe sprung out of. It has to do with rocks, pebbles, stones, and the crudeness of those materials. It has to do with death in a very real and frank way. It has to do with stiffness, tightness, and fundamentally this process within nature that causes things to shrink. We know that Saturn has to do very often with gravity. And one of the purposes of gravity is to pull something downward or to keep something connected to the physical planet that it's associated with. So this Saturn and Metos combination is a very heavy combination for us to be starting the new year, but because we're trying to give everything a positive spin, at least for this week, we're going to say that Saturn and Metos has to do with giving us the sort of resolve and determination necessary to set a course for ourselves at the beginning of this year and to stay connected with that course no matter what. Because Saturn and Admetos together can represent an inextricable gravity that it's impossible to separate ourselves from and that is a wonderful thing to start the new year with because it causes us all to feel that much more glued to the new year's resolutions that we are forming. So hopefully You've set up a New Year's resolution agenda for yourself before the 1st of January because the 1st of January is coming in and the day is feeling like glue insofar as the Saturn and Admetos is creating a level of gravity surrounding the beginning of our year that can feel heavy. And heaviness is oftentimes another word for feeling a little bit more anchored. So this 1st of January is starting off in a way where we all feel rooted, we all feel anchored, we all feel firmly connected to the earth that we're a part of, and hopefully we also feel firmly connected to the sort of New Year's resolutions that we're establishing for ourselves as we move deeper into 2024. Now that we've given Saturn at Mitos the most positive polish ever, 
I can also let you know that Saturn at Mitos has to do with a sense of people who are being in a tight spot or people who find themselves in a tight spot. Like I said earlier, Admitos has to do with this idea of being blocked or stopped or hindered in a great way. And Saturn Admitos on a more challenging side can also have to do with us feeling very strongly hindered to the point of us not really feeling as if we are being given the space or the latitude to pursue our dreams and aspirations in the way that we want to. Saturn and Mitos together has to do with compression, oppression, depression, and it also has to do with this internal compulsion that we all have that forces us to wait or that forces us into a place of patience or that forces us into a place of standstill as we wait for other pieces to fall into place. So today could feel like a very heavy day and starting this new year with the Saturn and Mitos combination can feel like a very heavy thing indeed. However, we have to find within ourselves a way to use that heaviness to give us a greater sense of resolve and commitment and determination to manifest the things that we desire to manifest for ourselves within this year of 2024, regardless of the challenges that we might be faced with. Moving on through this day, we have Venus in an opposition relationship with that same Admetos. I've already told you everything that Admetos means. And now Venus Admetos, which is happening at 7.49 a.m. EST, has to do with us having a very small, intimate circle. Small coming from Admetos, intimate circle coming from Venus. So sometimes people who have Venus Admetos active within their charts can feel as if they don't really have that many friends or they don't really have that many opportunities for intimacy within their lives because Venus Admetos can feel like a shrinking of my circle of people who I have to connect with and it can ultimately feel like a deep sense of loneliness. Venus and Mitos also has to do with the end of love. So in much the same way as Venus Saturn has to do with the end of love or ending a romantic connection, Venus and Mitos can also carry that same sort of idea. It has to do with the sense of our affections being repressed and us ourselves not really knowing how to express ourselves intimately or affectionately with others within the world at large. It can create a very calculated approach to love, which doesn't necessarily correspond with the warm, gushing sense of affection that we think about when we do think about the idea of being in love with someone. What I love about Venus and Mitos is it also gives us this motivation to turn our senses inward. And this idea of turning our senses inward is something that we find within yoga philosophy. It's called pratyahara, or the withdrawal of our senses from the external world. And today is already looking like a very internalized day. We started off with the Sachin and Mitos combination, and we're moving into the Venus and Mitos combination, which also has to do with the sense of turning ourselves inward and really contemplating how we want to proceed when we choose to step back out into the world again. So today can be a very pensive day. It can also be a very contemplative day. And I think days like this are amazing for us to really clarify and refine how we want to show up within the world and also what our expectations are of the world and the people around us regarding how they show up within our lives as well. So, Venus and Mitos, 
is not really the nicest thing in the world. It can sometimes represent us having a limited feeling capacity, or it can even represent frigidity in love. But the positive of this is that it gives us the opportunity to turn inside of ourselves to really think about what love means to us, but also to think about what our intimate relationships look like to us. And it gives us the space and the time and the clarity to practice discernment within our intimate relationships so that if there are relationships that we're needing to let go of, then it's giving us the clarity of mind and the clarity of heart to let go of those relationships, especially if those relationships aren't actually supporting who we want to be within this lifetime. So Venus and Mitos can be a very tricky combination, but it can also be a combination that helps us really define who our tribe is and who our family is in general as we move deeper into this year of 2024. Now, moving on through the day, we have Venus in a square relationship with Saturn that's happening at 8.25 a.m. EST. January 1st has some challenges attached to it. Even if we didn't speak about the Uranian astrology combinations of Saturn and Metos and Venus and Metos, we still have a day of Venus square Saturn. And Venus square Saturn is defined as separation in love or sorrow in love. Now, let's spin that as positively as possible, since today I'm trying to be the spin doctor, and I'm trying to make everybody feel a little bit better about the year they're about to step into. So, Venus square Saturn can have to do with, all right, this is going to be some heavy lifting, because <laughs> my mind automatically goes to divorce, but Venus square Saturn can have to do with us making a commitment in love. Saturn has to do with commitment. Venus has to do with love. Even though very often Venus Saturn has to do with the breaking apart of love, sometimes Venus Saturn can also have to do with a long lastingness or a longevity of love or a love that can stand the test of times. Standing the test of times comes from Saturn and love comes from Venus. So Venus Saturn isn't necessarily all challenging. Why then was my first response to interpret it in more of a challenging way? The reality is that the overarching momentum of this day is challenging. And within astrology, we as astrologers have the understanding that if there is an overwhelming momentum towards one direction, if we see something else that can also point towards that direction, chances are it is going to point towards that direction and it's not going to point towards a completely contrary direction. So, Saturn at Mitos is a bit of a challenge. Venus at Mitos is a bit of a challenge. Venus-Saturn can be a positive thing or a negative thing. But the day is already starting with challenge, challenge, and Venus-Saturn is more often than not a challenging thing than it is a positive thing. So the reality is that it's a heavy day, it's a heavy start to 2024, and hopefully we're all using that heaviness to ground ourselves more deeply in the things that we believe in, in the things that we feel to be true, and we're actually using this day of the Venus at Mitos and also of the Venus Saturn to say to ourselves that we're going to stay committed to the goals, to the ideals, to the visions, to the dreams that we're starting this new year's with because today has commitment. If it doesn't have anything else at all, the 1st of January is starting off with a big bang towards 
commitment in general and we want to make sure that we're on the right side of that so once again prepare for today and make sure that the things that you're doing on this day are reflective of the sort of year you want to create for yourself in general because the gravity of this day is such that whatever we find ourselves doing on this day is likely going to be the molds that we find ourselves moving into as we deepen our relationship with 2024. Next up we have the sun in a parallel relationship with Pluto that's happening at 4:51 p.m. EST. Sun parallel Pluto could be interpreted as a day of great change. Sun being day, Pluto being great change. It can also be a day of a forced initiation. Sun being the day, Pluto being forced initiation. It can also be a day of metamorphosis. Sun being the day and Pluto being metamorphosis. I've just given you all the best things I can think of regarding the Sun-Pluto combination. From the perspective of metamorphosis, there is nothing greater, in my opinion, to start the new year with than the combination for a day of metamorphosis. Because were you really trying to stay exactly as you were in 2023 as you moved into 2024? Chances are you weren't. So today, there is this larger momentum within the world around us to go through a metamorphic process, to grow, to become wise, to evolve, to transform. And sometimes that can feel traumatic. Sun, Pluto can also be a day of trauma. So sometimes that metamorphosis that we're being ushered through can also feel like a traumatic experience. However, I think what has always been true about Pluto is that at the end of Pluto's passage through your life, you do evolve. Sometimes you die, but sometimes, more often than not, we evolve. And that evolutionary process is meant to move us higher up our own evolutionary path so that we grow in maturity and wisdom, so that we can face more and more of what our journey ahead of us has in store for us that we haven't yet experienced. So Sun-Pluto is a very character-building combination. It's also a very resolve-building combination. And very often when people are passing through a very strongly Plutonian period, they think they're going to die, but they oftentimes don't die. So Sun-Pluto can feel like a day of death, but the reality is, chances are, you're going to be okay even if you feel like you're passing through a major threshold that feels very challenging to the construct of psyche and ego that you've established for yourself up until this point. So 2024 is starting with a bang for sure. The best thing happening on this day is that we have Mercury stationing direct and that's occurring at 10.07 p.m. EST. Mercury stationing direct, we love it because we don't really like Mercury retrograde because we don't really like anything retrograde. So Mercury stationing direct is a very auspicious thing and any of the mercurial things that you were holding yourself from doing while Mercury was retrograde, such as the signing of papers and the signing of contracts and getting into long-term committed agreements, those things are things that you can start pursuing, probably not today, probably in about two or three days, let the Mercury move forward a bit and really catch himself once more. But those things are things that we can start looking upward towards as we move further into the week. 
Now on January 2nd, we have the moon making her final aspect before she goes void, of course, and that is going to be her trying to Pluto at 6.53 p.m. EST. She's going to be void, of course, until 7.46 p.m. EST when she ingresses into Libra. So during this period of time, we want to make sure that we aren't necessarily initiating anything, which is always going to be my advice when the moon is void, of course, because things that are initiated when the moon is void, of course, tend to not have a fundamental level of momentum behind them, and we like for there to be momentum behind things. So probably not the best time in the world for us to be initiating anything during this hour of the day while the moon is void, of course. But the reality is that the rest of this day, January 2nd, before 6.35, the moon is not going to be void, of course, which means it's a relatively wide open day in general and we want to make sure to take advantage of it and then give ourselves a moment of rest and reprieve during the hour that the moon is going to be void of course from 6 35 p.m to 7 46 p.m est Moving on through to January 3rd, 2024, we have Venus in the contra-parallel relationship with Vulcanus, and that's happening at 1.52 a.m. EST. Vulcanus sounds like volcano because the glyph of Vulcanus, as you can see on the screen, looks like a volcano. It's a triangle with an arrow on top of it. Venus Vulcanus represents the biological urge within all of us, and it represents a magnetic or a powerful sense of attraction. This is because Vulcanus tends to magnify anything that it is in contact with. So there is this magnification or this amplification quality of Vulcanus, and so we find this amplification happening with Venus. Venus Vulcanus can be a great power of attraction, it can be passion, mighty love, but it can also represent us acting today in a very passionate way. So it's the 3rd of January. The 1st of January, if it felt a little bit slow to you, and on the 2nd of January, if it also felt a little bit slow to you, today with the Venus Contraparallel Vulcanus is a wonderful time for you to put on your thinking cap and think about all of the creative ways that you can go about making this new year exactly what you want to make it. Venus Vulcanus is a combination of the utmost creativity. Utmost coming from Vulcanus, Venus giving us the word creativity. So there's this sense of an expanded possibility of what is possible within our lives because of the Venus Vulcanus combination, which gives us that much more creative inspiration and that much more creative insight. And when we're trying to think about how to tackle challenges or how to change ourselves at a deep cellular level, we need some modicum of creativity because those things, and especially when it comes to change, self-change doesn't just come easily. We need to come up with creative solutions about how to avoid some of the potholes within our own character in order for us to live a life free from falling into those potholes. And on this day, Venus Vulcanus gives all of us a little bit more of a passionate creative nudge that allows all of us to have that much more fire in our boots to find creative solutions regarding how we're going to solve the problems that we face within our lives, but also regarding how we're going to make this new year the best year ever. So take advantage of that on January 3rd. On this day, we also have Venus in a sesquiquadrate relationship with the North Node, and that's happening at 8.40 a.m. EST. 
Venus as Quadrate node has to do with our own intimate connections with creative people. This is something that we oftentimes find within the charts of artists. So on this day, we might hear about artists within our global news cycle because Venus Volcanus has to do with art and Venus Node has to do with art as well. So this can be a day where we hear about artists on the news, which is kind of a good change of events because we've been hearing about a lot of tragedy and calamity and chaos on the news for the past several weeks. So today we could be taking a reprieve from that and there could be a great artist who's elevated within our news stories on this day which is the 3rd of January. If you're somebody who has Venus in any hard aspect relationship with the node within your natal chart then you're probably someone who's living your life as a work of art or you're probably someone who's gravitating towards artistic communities or artists in general. So we love the Venus node combination. It's also a good marriage combination because Venus has to do with love and the nodes have to do with our intimate connections. So we love Venus node in general. It's a wonderful day to do anything Venusian, whether that is love-based, resolution-based, peace-based, celebration-based. All of these things are wonderful under the auspices of these two Venus contacts. Now moving on, on this day, January 3rd, as we know, even when the sun shines, there's going to be some clouds in the sky. And the one cloud we have in the sky on this day is the sun in an opposition relationship with Hades, and that's happening at 12.21 p.m. EST. I've been watching sun-Hades combinations within my personal astrological research. One, because on October 7th, we had the exact hard aspect between the sun and Hades, and we've been in a pretty sun-Hades time ever since then. And so the sun opposite Hades, which in my mind, I interpret that basically the same as any other hard aspect of Hades, including the conjunction, is something worth keeping our eye on because it's not a good combination. Sun Hades, when it comes up within our natal chart, has to do with the diseased, mutilated, or deformed body. But it also has to do with the bad father. The sun giving us the word father, and Hades giving us the word bad. Sun Hades has to do with a sense of us being pursued by misfortune. And when we think about this from a mundane astrological perspective, the Sun-Hades combination can represent to be pursued by misfortune on the day or a misfortunate day. So we don't really like the Sun-Hades combination. It's not the best thing in the world. And that's something that we should all be mindful of as we move deeper into this week. That even though January 3rd looks good because of the Venusian parts of it, there's also this underlying current that's happening essentially in the middle of the day, Eastern time that is very challenging. Moving on through to the 4th of January, we have Mars ingressing into Capricorn and that's happening at 9.57 a.m. EST. We love a Mars in Capricorn. Mars in Capricorn is Mars in the sign of his exaltation. And in the words of Jean-Baptiste Mohan du Villefranche, whenever we have a planet occupying any of its major essential dignities, that planet is like a benefic planet for the world at large. So we love this Mars in Capricorn because an essentially dignified malefic is like a fierce warrior who is also a noble warrior and therefore scorns to do harm against his opponent. 
So we prefer a Mars in Capricorn far more than we prefer a Mars in Sagittarius. So today can be a very positive day as far as us finding a constructive means of using Martian power within the world so that we're not just setting the world around us on fire with that power, but we're using that same firepower to build as opposed to destroy. So we love that for ourselves on the 4th of January. Moving on through another wonderful thing happening on the 4th of January is the sun in a parallel relationship with Cupido, and that's happening at 10, 11 p.m. EST. Cupido in Uranian astrology is like a super Venus. When we look at the glyph of Cupido, Cupido looks like the coming together of the glyph of Jupiter and the glyph of Venus. So the Sun-Cupido combination is a lovely combination. It's definitely a great marriage combination, and it has to do with a day of peace, Peace coming from the Cupido and the day coming from the Sun. Sun Cupido also has to do with a day when there is an emphasis on the family or the collective or the tribe in general. So we love that. Because Sun Cupido gives all of us that much more of a physical understanding of our connection to a larger family, tribe, and global collective. Now, tribalism is a word that we associate with Cupido as well, and even though Cupido does tend to be a benefic planet within Uranian astrology, I have also learned that Cupido has to do with the concept of racism. Because racism is also a form of tribalism, and racism is also a form of focusing on the collective, even if that collective is a collective of a specific, isolated few people within a larger communal setting. So, Sun Cupido can also be challenging for those reasons. However, today is looking like a good day in general because of Mars ingressing into Capricorn. So, here we have the scenario of the day is moving towards a good direction in general, and we see the Sun-Cupido combination, which is more often than not a good combination that can sometimes be interpreted in a challenging way. So how are we going to interpret this Sun-Cupido on a day that's already looking as good as it looks? We're going to interpret it in the good way of interpreting Sun-Cupido, such as a day of peace, a day of family values, a day of focusing on the family, because the larger momentum of this day is such that it brings out the positivity that is inherent within this combination, and it quells some of the larger challenging negativity that we have within this combination. So as far as days go, this day with the Mars ingressing into Capricorn and the Sun parallel Cupido is looking like the best day this week for sure. Moving on through to the 5th of January, the moon is making her final aspect before going void of course and that is moon in a square relationship with Pluto and that's happening at 6.40 a.m. EST and she's going to be void of course for roughly an hour because she ingresses into Scorpio at 7.39 a.m. EST. Nobody likes moon and Scorpio from a traditional astrological perspective. It's a challenging place for the moon to be. However, it's a wonderful place for the moon to be, especially from the perspective of cutting our hair. We love a moon in Scorpio because a moon in Scorpio has the ability to make all of our hair grow that much longer because the moon in any water sign is very auspicious from the perspective of hair growth. However, this is a waning moon, which we know because the moon is applying to the sun because the sun is in Capricorn. So what do we do with this moon? Probably not that much. 
because we prefer to cut our hair under a waxing water moon as opposed to the waning water moon because the waxing water moon corresponds more with this idea of growth, whereas the waning moon corresponds with this concept of diminishment in general. So just some tips to know about the moon and how we can use the moon to improve our beauty regimen. Now moving on through on this day, we have the sun in a contraparallel relationship with Kronos, followed by the sun in an opposition relationship with Kronos. Sun is going to contraparallel Kronos at 8.52 a.m. EST. Then the sun is going to be in an opposition with Kronos at 12.08 p.m. EST. So today is largely a sun Kronos day in general. Kronos is a super Saturn as far as the highest, most evolved version of of Saturn is concerned. Kronos represents the boss, the king, the government, the authority of the state, independence, days of independence. It represents all of these things that has to do with the highest expression of law or authority within our world at large. The Sun-Kronos combination specifically is the combination of the father, the master, the boss, the superior, the person who is in charge, the person who is willing to lay down a mandate, the person who is willing to force a particular action to occur purely through the sheer force of who they are and what their standing is in society. It's a very powerful combination in general. People who have the Sun Kronos in any hard aspect within their charts have a natural disposition towards leadership. So we love a Sun Kronos combination. It also has to do with a day of independence where a group of people find and understand what it means to be an independent sovereign body of people for themselves. I'm currently running an astrological research project and we do need to start pointing our gaze towards the years and the dates when countries became independent because chances are within the charts of those countries we'll find a strong Sun-Kronos combination at the moment of their independence. So we love Sun-Kronos for all of those reasons and so today is ending in a very positive way. Now, the last aspect we have on January 5th is going to be Mars in a semi-square relationship with Poseidon at 11.09 p.m. EST. Poseidon is the last of our trans-Neptunian planets. Poseidon has to do with revelation and insight and illumination and enlightenment and culture and the way in which culture is meant to elevate all of us above our crude animal instincts and the way in which culture and society are meant to serve as a larger training ground for how we can be the highest expression of humanity possible. So those are the things that Poseidon represents. Mars represents work as well as action. So the Mars-Poseidon combination can represent mental or spiritual activity. It can also represent us having a moralistic behavior or a moralistic outlook to life in general. Mars-Poseidon also has to do with working in education. So very often people who have Mars-Poseidon within their charts are people who are working within an educational field in general. 
I think the greatest thing about Mars Poseidon is that it's representing this working from a place of our genuine morals and working based on having a true insight into what qualifies as right action and what qualifies as moralistic behavior within the world at large. So we already see some good things happening on this day with the sun Kronos combinations and now we see the Mars Poseidon combination, all of which has to do with us being the most elevated version of humanity possible. So there's hope for us yet, and that hope seems to be manifesting most strongly on the 5th of January 2024. Moving on through to the 6th of January 2024, we have Mercury in a contra-parallel relationship with Admetos, and that's happening at 12.38 p.m. EST. Admetos, once again, has to do with Heaviness, density, gravity, spinning on the spot, death. Anything that is heavy and overwhelming and oppressive and crushing is going to fall under the auspices of Admetos to a very large degree. So sometimes Mercury Admetos has to do with pessimism. Why? Because pessimism is nothing more than us having a density of the mind. Mercury has to do with the mind, Admetos has to do with density. So Mercury and Admetos can have to do with having a density of the mind, pessimism of the mind, not necessarily having a spirit of hopefulness, not necessarily feeling as if there is much to be hoped for, but it also has to do with us having a serious way of thinking in general. So if we were to interpret this from the most highest, rarefied way possible, we can say that Mercury and Metos has to do with us having a serious, concentrated, laser-sharp approach to how we're thinking and also ultimately how we're speaking in the world at large, because these things fall under the auspices of Mercury and Metos. On the more challenging side of this, Mercury and Metos has to do with news of death or news of grief or news that makes us feel sorrowful or deeply burdened in some way. Mercury and Metos can also have to do with negotiations that go nowhere. Negotiations coming from Mercury and the idea of them reaching a dead end coming from Admetos. So we want to manifest the concentrated, attentive, focused version of Mercury and Metos on this day. And if we find ourselves in negotiations with others that truly feel as if they're leading to a dead end, we also want to stop and ask ourselves, what can we do differently? How can we think differently? How can we show up in the world in a way that's actually supportive of others and in a way that allows us to be more amenable and accommodating to some of the negotiations that we might find ourselves faced with? I don't think this is something we have to ask ourselves on a personal level, but I think that these transits have more to do with what's going on within the world at large. So it stands to reason that global leaders are going to have to figure out how they can allow themselves to be more pliable and how they can allow themselves to be more open to a heart of genuine negotiation on this day, because otherwise this day is geared up to be a day where negotiations lead nowhere as a result of the Mercury and Metos combination. Moving on through, we have Venus in a semi-square relationship with Zeus, and that's happening at 2.07 p.m. EST. 
I like Venus Zeus because I like fertility astrology. And Venus Zeus is one of the combinations that we would investigate within the charts of either a woman or a man as far as this idea of fertility is concerned. So we love Venus Zeus because Venus Zeus has to do with the procreative act, the biological urge to procreate. It has to do with sperm. It has to do with insemination. It has to do with creating a seminal work that stands apart or that represents the the first of its kind. We love the Venus-Zeus combination. Zeus by itself as a trans-Neptunian planet has to do with guns. It has to do with directed power, which is why we consider Zeus to be the planet of rockets and missiles and any projectile implement of war. Zeus has to do with machines and machinery and factories, all of which tend to be modern concepts. We don't necessarily find factories doing the same thing in the 13th century as they do in the 21st century. So these ideas, which are modern ideas, are best articulated through Zeus, which is one of our Uranian astrology planets. So bringing together Venus and Zeus has to do with this idea of not only producing a child, but it also has to do with producing something positive in the world at large, and it can also have to do with forcing peace. Zeus gives us this idea of leadership and through leadership, also this idea of being able to force others to do something. And Venus gives us this idea of peace. So today with the Venus-Zeus combination, it's yes, definitely a wonderful day from a fertility perspective, but it can also be a day where we find ourselves being forced towards coming to a peaceful resolution, which actually may not be such a bad thing at all. Moving on through finally to the 7th of January, we don't really have that much going on in the sky, not even from a modern perspective do we have any Uranian astrology contacts going on in the sky, but what we do have is the moon making her last aspect before she goes void, of course, which is her sextile relationship to Pluto, and that's happening at 3.21pm EST. She's going to be void, of course, until she ingresses into Sagittarius at 4.08pm EST at which point in time it'll be fine to do stuff again. Now, when I say that when the moon is void, of course, it's not fine to do stuff, I don't mean you shouldn't eat during that time. What I mean is that the void, of course, scenario is one in which the air is dead. It's kind of like going fishing in the middle of the winter, where you know that chances are all of the fish are going to be in their tiny fish caves, and they're not really going to be available to your fishing rods. And so that's kind of what it feels like when we try to launch or initiate things when the moon is void, of course. It feels like all of the possibilities are in their little tiny possibility caves and the possibilities aren't going to come out until the moon is starting to do things again or until the moon is more active again. So this may not be a make it or break it thing for you within your life. However, if you have the opportunity to align more of your efforts that you want to manifest in a big way with a moon that isn't void, of course, and also, I think, with a moon that's waxing, because a waxing moon has more to do with the manifestation of powerful events, whereas the waning moon has more to do with the diminishing of events or circumstances from our lives. So if you're wanting to do anything at all that you want to have a sense of increase or abundance around it, one 
probably don't initiate that thing while the moon is void, of course. And two, you probably want to initiate that thing when the moon begins her waxing period. And with that, that is how we're ending this week of January 1st through January 7th, 2024. Thank you all so much for joining us here once again for another episode of next week's astrology, where we dive into all of the combinations of the week ahead. I'm so happy to be able to start the new year in this way. I think it's super cool that we can do astrology. And I think it's super cool that even as the years proceed, our relationship to our astrology and our love of astrology only gets deeper and deeper. If you haven't already made your own astrological New Year's resolutions, do it now. And the reason is because, as you all know, in my mind and as far as I'm concerned, 2025 is the year of astrology. And to that end, we should equip ourselves from now with the highest quality astrological education and information and tools that are at our disposal. So if there's something that you want to learn, astrologically speaking, do it now. When I was considering going to med school, which I think a lot of you know because I've been pretty candid about my relationship with going to medical school. I started pre-med and I wanted to see how far I could go with that until it completely wiped me out. And it wasn't actually the pre-med that wiped me out. It was just that I had already established a thriving career as an astrologer at that point in time and I couldn't make space for both. And as I look back at my life, that is a major source of regret for me because I love medicine. I love the human body. I love anatomy and physiology. Those are courses that I excelled in when I was in school. And when I was grappling with whether or not I should go to med school, stay in med school, do it, take a break from it, someone said to me, Michael, the six years are going to pass in any event. The only difference is going to be that in one scenario, the six years are going to pass and you're going to be 36 years old and a doctor. Whereas in the other scenario, you're going to be 36 years old and not a doctor. So what are you going to do? And the reality is that the time is going to go in any event, period. <laughs> I think that's just it. The time is going to go in any event. And learning astrology is a very complicated thing. Learning astrology can sometimes be a very aggravating, convoluted thing. I'm setting the intention for myself and for my school this year to bring out the highest level of accuracy possible within our astrological practice, because I feel like that is kind of what the world is going to need from us. If you give yourself a year-long immersion into any language and you allow yourself to speak that language every single day, chances are, it's not even chances are, the law of momentum within the universe says that there is no way that you can expose yourself to something every single day, if even for just an hour a day, and not become exponentially better at that thing 365 days later. So... If you are here, you're here because you love astrology. If you've listened to this up until this point, you've listened because you love astrology, find some astrological groove for you to dig deeper for yourself. Find some astrological passion for you to feed for yourself. 
find something. Open up a catalog of old astrology books or open up a catalog of old astrology conference recordings and just find something that really speaks to your heart. And then dedicate yourself to mastering that thing within the course of the next 365 days within this year. Because the year is going to go in any event. Therefore, give yourself something that you can actually give to yourself at the end of these 365 days so that you could feel as if you would have grown a skill that you will have for the rest of your life. As you all know, I love you very dearly and I'm so happy to be able to share yet another year of my life here with you on the Oraculous podcast. Thank you so much for joining us here once again for another recording of next week's astrology. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the Oraculous podcast wherever you find us on the internet. And as always, please share the Oraculous podcast with your other astrologically minded friends so that more and more people can know about the amazing work we're doing here on the Oraculous podcast. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael A. Bryan, leaving you in peace and love and hope. Until we meet again. Have a good one. Bye-bye.